Welcome to the dark forest. Jack and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. We are in my living room where I like to record. And you know the credits. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Mike Rickberg just sang that song you heard. He's going to sing it again at the end. And Vilmos fixes the websites. The websites, of course, JackieCation.com for all your stand-up comedy needs of the Jackie Cation variety. And then DorkForest.com for the podcast. All linkable off of JackieCation.com, of course. It's on iTunes. Feel free to review the show on iTunes. And feel free to subscribe and the RSS feed of your choice. There are notes that I go through and I, I do a notes section on DorkForest.com for each episode if you want to check out those links. There is a donation button. Feel free to use that. It's summer, huh? Summer, comedy, summer, no money. Knock yourselves out. Anyway, and in other news, let's see. Oh, merch. If you want the new Dark Forest t-shirt, please do. If you want to pre-order a Dark Forest hooded sweatshirt, you can, but I'm not going to order again for a little bit, but um, until I have enough to order. Anyway, uh, I'm going to spill some coffee right here, and, and that'll be fun. For my guest is a magician. That's right. He's uh, from Minneapolis, and I've known him for a long time. He's a comic. He's uh, he's a very very talented magi- uh, magician and a very funny man. So let's uh, let's talk to Derek Hughes. Hello, Derek Hughes. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me to your home. This is it. This is it. This is uh, the home of the Dork Forest, and uh, you got you got the tour. And you were you were one of the only people in the tour parts where you're like. Wait, is that the curio shelf with the action figures? Oh, I recognize and it then, from your set, for sure. And, and then you went and checked out the Hot Wheels. There was a lot of, uh, you, you went in, you went in deep. A lot of people just look in the room and go, yeah, that's some uh, that's some dork stuff right there. Good, well, you got go. some prize, prize possessions. Yep, Andy's, uh, Andy's doing some collecting, so uh, good you times. probably shouldn't give your address out because you're probably inviting thieves. Inviting thieves. No one's going to come and steal 99 cents worth of Hot Wheels. It's all good. There's nothing happening. I was expecting more of sort of an, a Hobbit-based architecture to the structure uh, it's really just <laughs> well, standard valley i will say this if uh, if if mary and pippin were middle class uh, white folks in 1951 this is the house they would have lived in because it's a 1951 tract house that's perfect yeah and i do wish to some extent i wish the house the door was round just because that's fun well, save, up. Have, save, save up. up you can do that that's it it'll be good times so um Here's what I know about magic. Uh, I know that Penn and Teller do it, and they are like the gold standard of everyone's like, well, they're the hip hip magicians. They're not just the hip hip magicians. They're kind of the gold standard too on on tricks on just and being stuff? amazing magicians. Yeah, we went and saw them. You in see Vegas. them at the Rio. I saw them at the Rio, Ugh. and it was I'd never seen them before. Andy has seen really? them two other times. You ever seen any of their televised stuff? Their specials or a little bit, but I didn't have cable for a long time. Okay, <laughs> so but I bet you it's online. Man, they have just like this unbelievable and, set list. Right, and, they've and been doing it forever too, right? They've been doing it for a long time. They were really uh, inspiring to me when I was in junior high and just starting out and kind of trying to look for what kind of magic I wanted to to do. To do. And okay. It was, uh, it was Penn and Teller. It was Harry Anderson. Uh, Harry Anderson from Night Court? From Night Court. Okay. Did you know he was a magician? I did know that he was a magician. Of and I thought that he was, uh, and, and Johnny Carson, I believe, yep. did magic as well, didn't yes, he? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And he was a huge fan of magic. Right. Which, uh, which, which helped Harry Anderson. Which helped everybody. 
that was a magician when Johnny Carson was on The Tonight Show, because Johnny would have a lot of magician guests. Oh, okay. Real regular basis. And then, you know, Jay, uh, Jay is not such a fan of right. magic. Ironically, does his regular set every Sunday at the Comedy and Magic Club. Right. Down at Hermosa Beach, where I met my lovely wife, Charlene. Did you um, meet her down there? I did. Did you do magic down at the Comedy and Magic Club? Do you work there regularly? I do. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it Why does. Why wouldn't that make sense? you know, there's that title right there. <laughs> yeah, Two right. things I love. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and steady work, if you can get in, with uh, the great places like the Magic Castle, which you were just headlining at last week, right? Well, I was working in the parlor, and uh, so I guess... Headlining is, I don't know if anybody headlines. Well, no, you, you know what? I was headlining last week at yeah. the Magic Castle because I was, uh, <laughs> by definition, I was the featured performer. So I that's guess it. in the program for that week, I, uh, I was the, yeah, that's the headline guy, I right. guess. Why don't, you, why don't you put that on your website? No offense Which, to all the, the other guys that were working the Magic Castle that week. Exactly, who are all appreciated and loved. Uh, DerekHughes.net, by the way, and uh, your Twitter feed might be uh, Hughes Magic, but it's linkable off of DerekHughes.net. Yeah, so. That's kind of cool to move here and to have two full-time venues that will put up magic. Two full-time venues that will put up magic that were kind of hard to get into. I, I mean, I thought it was sort of a no-brainer, you know, when I moved here. Because I was already working and I had a, what I thought to be a pretty great set. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of, well, like, come on, any entertainment has a lot of gatekeepers. Right. And so the first tapes that I sent to both those clubs were totally rejected. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend Ian Bag had a live talk show down at the Hermosa Beach Club. Okay. And so he had me on as a guest, and it was uh, through a live. Do you find that? Do you find sometimes that it's tape is very a hard sell, but when you get a chance to showcase live for yes. people and they can see they can see that spark that you have in the room. <laughs> With those peeps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because all video flattens out whatever the experience is, and so live is always going to be better. But the other thing that worked for me, weirdly enough, is that cartoon that Greg Franklin did of really? my animal bit. Okay. Uh, that, that we did it as a promotional thing to sell my last album, now available. And, uh, but the, uh, but the, the animation of my, of, of that joke, the new cat, new dog joke, I don't know if you've seen me do it, but it's, um, it's fully animated, and it took four months and a team of like six or eight guys, and and they and it it cost a fair bit of a good a lot of money. What's a fair? What's a lot of money? Well, he said he would never do it for this amount again. And um, oh, then don't tell him if he's working at a discount. Right. Well, and it was just I don't think he realized how much work it was going to be, and he want and he does things right. Greg Franklin at Six Point Express isn't fucking around and he's, <laughs> you know it's not a hobby. He's going to do it correctly, and I saw him because he did Kyle Kinane's. Bunny face fucking yeah, uh, cartoon. Okay. Did you ever see that? I have not. Well, it's about bunnies who face fuck, and uh, good times. As a magician, you see that a lot, like <laughs> in the cages before you're loading them into the hats. A lot of face fucking <laughs> before you load them into that. <laughs> but I so this this animated thing that that right, opened doors that opened doors. That's which, amazing. Uh, but showing up in person always does it. And Ian Bag's a great guy, and and and. I cannot imagine that seeing you live, because seeing you live is a is a genuine treat. I mean, I think seeing magic live, ma right. magic more than comedy, uh, magic is really meant to be seen live. For sure. I, I mean, can't cause, because if it's being filmed, you have always in the back of your head. Well, that's the magic of film, right? That's right. That isn't the magic of magic. That's right. It's not the magic of a dude who has, for the last 12 years, right. been working on up-close magic in Miracles front of a mirror. Miracles are meant to be witnessed. 
Yes. <laughs> not viewed. Right. And what do you think about, like, Ken Bradley? You know Ken Bradley. Uh, he used to do stand-up comedy in Minneapolis. He's in politics now in Minneapolis. Big hippie, skippy, Green Party dude. But um, he had a very interesting act. And one time we both followed this this guy who was a magician, but he was a terrible magi- magician. Or That's, that's a good a percentage night. of my brethren. Yes, it's a good percentage of comics, too. I mean, there's 90% of all people doing stand-up comedy blow. And then 10% are good to amazing. And that's that's what you get, because people do it. Here in Los Angeles, where everybody comes, you the no, it's better. It I is mean, better. You can see some amazing people, that, which is what it must have been, trying to get into comedy and magic in the Magic Castle. Right. Uh, that you're like, oh my god, I'm surrounded by people who are as good or better than I am. And like, that that would be true with the comedy and magic, I think, because the comedy and magic, the caliber of performers just across the board is is very high. Mike Lacey and Richie Barrett, you know. Right. Uh, oh, Mike Lacey. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've done stand up comedy there, but not for <laughs> several years, and uh, I like Mike. He's an incredibly supportive guy. Unbelievably, I mean, talk about a guy who works at a deficit, right? You know, I mean, he. He's, bends over backwards. Right, incredibly supportive of um, of, of the of the genre, and and the venue itself, stand up wise, he's the only one who pays comics fare for their sets and feeds us and feeds you and what? right right there in the green room. Uh, what would you like to order off of a menu that is genuine? You know what I I owe I owe him a huge uh, thank you. I was uh, this is a public venue. Two venues. Right. Uh, there, there's a little lounge next door to the main room, and right. he had me doing a private party one night in the lounge. And in the main room, Carlin was working out for his final HBO special. Wow! And uh, when Carlin was there, they would block off the green room. You know, comics would eat in the office, and Carlin. Right. Carlin was literally writing shit with the door closed up until going on stage every night, and then taking notes on stage, wow. and then going back in the green room before the next set. I mean. Right, wow. so he's working, and uh, right, and he needed that room to work for real, as opposed to Bill Maher, who said, "Hey, are you going to use this room? Can I have this room?" And I was like, "No, no, I'll go wait in the coat rack. That'll be fine." <laughs> and he was not doing that. He was stoned, and with his with some ladies of the night, his entourage, and his entourage, and they were just sitting around eating a cheese plate. And I was like, "Well, I could sit in the corner while you're eating a cheese plate." And he's like, mm, "I'm kind of paranoid." And so, fair enough. Not quite as inspiring as Carlin. Right. Carlin, that's super inspiring. That's so amazing. I say to Mike, oh, I know it's busy tonight. I'm going to get out of here. I'll, I'll do my set and I'll get. And he's like, well, have you seen George? And I'm like, oh, well, no, I mean, I, it's packed. And he's like, oh, you got to stick around. You got to watch George. Oh. And so I uh, finished my set. And that is incredible. It's thoughtful. just amazing. He's got, That's yeah, he saved me a seat in the back of the room, and uh, I got a chance. I'd never seen him live, and I got a chance to see him live preparing for that final concert, and then, you know, he passed away you know, shortly after that. So right. it was just like. That's amazing. Inspiring. That is, a, that, is a, that is a great story. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. I would also like to say that the Flappers, the new uh, Flappers Comedy Club over in, in Burbank, Burbank, they actually pay and feed you really well as well. Is that true? That is true. They pay a fair wage uh, to do a set there, and they also. Uh, um, feed you, and that's the main room. I think the Yuhu room they don't, but it's uh, parking is free. Uh, they kind of spun out of uh, the the ice house, right? Wasn't it? I think that uh, Barbara might Barb, have worked yeah. worked over at the she ice was house, bur- booking some sort but of. But she comedy was a manager contest. too, and then Dave is a comic, so cool. um, so there's you know there's a lot of history there, and there's a lot of great comics here who. 
you can get to work for free or cheap and for when when a club will, will pay even even something like 40 bucks you know to uh, for parking and stuff you're just like well that's fair that's it's wonderful it's great it, it, it and I have my head up my ass. Anyway, so what I was going to tell you is uh, Ken Bradley has uh, the guy in front of us did the magical linking rings. And ever since then, I've hated the magical linking rings. And I don't know why. You're not alone. Sell me. Am I not alone? No, my wife won't watch them. Just won't. Right. She, she, if someone on stage brings them on. Because magic, there's, there's a lot of repetition. And, you know, I, I, driving over, I, I got kind of uncomfortable Jackie cause, did you well I'm not supposed Why, to dear? talk about this shit well that's I mean that's, I took a vow of secrecy and uh, I got I know, got so. the, the juggler who I was on Jesse Shell was on talking about jugglers he was saying the thing about jugglers is that it's all about community the thing about magic is that it's all about secrecy and so that that's Penn well put and Teller, but Penn and Teller they try to share their here's my take on that and uh, and and no they don't okay but they That they is create the illusion that's that they their do. voice. Yeah, initially, what they did is they they started at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. They were part of a three person troupe, and I can't remember the guy's name, but they had a juggler okay. who worked with them, wow. and they were the oh man, the Asparagus Valley. <laughs> oh, I'm going to shoot myself for not knowing this, but I'll uh, put it in the notes. I'll please put it in the notes. look it up, and uh, you know, so they were they started Minnesota Renaissance Festival with I think their first professional gigs, and uh, but. When they started um, working on their duo stuff, they created bullshit methods for effects. Teller's uh, quite a magic genius. Okay. Okay, he's the And quiet Teller's, guy. He's the quiet guy. Mm -hmm. um, the guy who doesn't speak, who ironically is, I don't know if this is true, Irony, maybe, t tell me. He's a professor of Latin. So the guy who doesn't talk is like a master of, 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 of the root a, of, of all dead language. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of a dead language that doesn't have a... Though my Latin teacher in high school, she went to Latin camp, and uh, and I was like, what did Latin camp? She said, we spoke Latin, and nobody speaks Latin, except for the church, right? But um, oh, I thought they'd be doing a lot of salsa dancing. <laughs> well, conversational Latin, uh, you know, you're just like, because in the, in the front cover of my Latin uh, book, <laughs> when I was in ninth grade, it said, Latin is dead, dead as could be, first to kill the Romans, now it's killing me. Uh, which I think is a Latin joke from when Latin was invented as something to make people learn. Holy crap. Yeah. So he's a professor of Latin. So he has like a PhD in Latin or a master's or something I like that. I really don't know his credit. Uh, credit uh, his sure, sure. His resume. You don't have right. it? Okay. But I do know that it plays a role in his uh, his professional past. Okay. But now he doesn't speak. Now he doesn't stage. talk on stage. And, but he's a magical genius, yeah. according to the peoples? Yeah. I mean, he's really, a lot of their methods for the effects they create on, in their show Right. He's he's a, now the pen is is a great magician in his own right. Yes, absolutely. But uh, he'll acquiesce to Teller's, you know, you know, superlative oh. knowledge. I mean, right, right. Yeah, yeah. They're very supportive of each other. Absolutely. All right. So their genius in the beginning was they came up with false methods, whole new methods, and oh. then they would expose their own method. Okay. As if they're showing you how. Magic is done, and their whole niche was they they shared with the press. I believe this is true that that magician the magician community hated them that they were the outcasts of the magician community, <laughs> and they created that myth. Okay, and then it sort of manifested for a while because right. the magicians are oh I guess we hate them they're, they're, they're <laughs> sharing the secrets. Um, and and then when you watch them and be like those aren't actually the way anybody else does that those aren't even tricks that exist. 
in anybody else's repertoire. Okay. You know so what I that's mean? That's kind of awesome. They do this great one called Blast Off, where it's this kind of guy gets in a box and gets cut up, and the box gets moved around and rearranged, and then you know you you put the the top box on the bottom and the bottom box, and then when you open the bottom box, the face is down there waving, and the <laughs> feet are up top, and and right. then they do it with a plexiglass version, and you see. Oh. Teller sliding all around, and he's upside down, and you know it's just right. And obviously, it's, it's bullshit, right? <laughs> which I isn't that beautiful? How that yeah. kind of creating that voice in the public mind. Oh, these are the magicians who tell you the secrets, right? Has led to you know many years hosting bullshit on Showtime, where it has nothing to do with magic, but these are the guys that tell you how it is. Oh, right, right. It, the magicians oh, it who tell this. you the truth. So now Which they have, yeah. Now they have some sort of political push and the fact that they're like, we're going to tell you how it is. Yeah. You know, we went and saw them at the Rio in Did Vegas. Did you see the thing with the rocket launcher and the, the Bill of Rights? No, I they saw the flag. They do a TSA bit. Oh, the they, flag. Okay. They did the flag uh, where they where they light the flag on fire, and they're like, are we really lighting the flag on fire, or are you? The, is it the illusion of the flag, and are we using that paper that lights on fire, and uh, <laughs> that flash paper? And it's like, but you think that we're lighting the flag on fire, and what are what what are the what what are the ramifications of that? What are the right. political implications of us pretending to light the flag? And how on fire? inspiring is that? That it's magicians who have a valid voice in culture. Right, right, that they're not just... Oh, that, I, that love, I love it. Right, it's not just an old guy thing. It's not just a weird, hey, I'm going to bend this spoon or find this coin behind your ear. It's not dad magic. Right. It's, uh, which I love dad magic. Up close magic, I used to go to the safe house in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. And what it used to be, it was a... An actual uh, speakeasy, and then after Prohibition ended, they added a bunch of rooms to make it into a faux speakeasy. And uh, cool. and so sounds great. When you show up in Milwaukee, it's a really fun bar, and there's a main room where you can sit in a barber's chair, and they will pour booze down your face. <laughs> you lean back, and they genuinely pour booze into your face. You get a hot towel. Uh, Oh, that would be the best. Oh, that would be the best. Except for that um, when you put a lot of makeup on, it would ruin no, your makeup. No, it's better for the dudes. It would be all right for the dudes. But, uh, yeah, but you would sit there, and it would just be like the laziest way to do a shot ever because they would just pour a shot into your pie hole. And, uh, but th when you walk in, they say, what's the password to the safe house? And the password is... Spoiler alert is I'm looking for a safe house. That's the past sentence. And if you don't know that, they make you do the chicken so dance. So is it a front, a front of a barter, barber shop? No, you walk like, in. So it looks like a barber shop? No. No, you walk oh. in and it just looks like um, a, a phone booth or something. I mean, it's tiny. Okay. And you walk in and you're like, hey, uh, how do we get into the bar? And they're like, what's the, what's the passcode? And if you don't say I'm looking for a, a safe house, they make you do something. And, and all the TVs in the, in the bar show it. They like make you do the chicken dance or that's, something that, like that. That's magical, right? Well, the, oh, the point of this is that they used to have a guy doing up close magic that would work the rooms. Sure. There was an open mic there on Wednesdays, and that's what I did. Okay, and that's the only reason I went. And then there was a guy uh, doing up close magic who would work the different rooms, and I would get super drunk and make him just. I would give him dollars and go, "Where is the coin?" 
Where is it? Was he good? He was really good, and I was really drunk, so he could have been actually not that good. But he no, was I excellent. bet he was though. I bet he was because it's regular. Yeah. It was a regular gig like that that really uh, gave me if I if I have any yeah. chops. Yeah, yeah. It came from oh, nine years of doing uh, you know roving table to table magic at TGI Fridays restaurants in the uh, Twin Cities area. Oh, really? There uh, was okay. You know, I I think I worked them all. You know, uh, Tuesday, <laughs> seven, five, six nights a week. You know. Was it steady pay? Was it something that could, that you, know you could what? earn a living at? These got yes, but not necessarily. Th- I think I got fifty bucks a night. I, I would do two hour shifts. Okay. So you know, twenty five bucks an hour for you know. I started when I think I was sixteen. My buddy in high school, uh, Dominic Selly, was a uh, busboy there, and he's like he loved. I mean, he was a big fan of right. my 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 card magic, and uh, he was like, you gotta you gotta come in. It's a perfect place, perfect place for magic. TJ Fridays, and uh, this was before they had. Uh, they actually had tablecloths that were, were striped tablecloths. Yeah. It, had, it hadn't shifted to the Formica striped. Oh, they had actual know. tablecloths. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was kind of a fan. It was kind of a. It, it felt kind of upscale. Right. It hadn't blown up to the, you know. We're going to mass You know, I was tables. a fan of Fridays before Fridays <laughs> was Fridays. Uh, but so I finally went in and I did an audition for this, uh, the GM, Chaz. And. Uh, Said I'll, I'll come in on a Sunday and do a couple hours for free for families. And that first two weeks where I worked these brunches, I actually wore the Friday stripes. Oh, nice. I'd go table to table and doing you know my magic, and it was it was great. But Chaz yeah. was like, you know what I think? I think you'd work better on Friday and Saturday nights. Okay. So I switched into a suit and came in Friday and Saturday nights, and not a tux, just a regular, just a blue just suit, a suit kind of just yeah. a suit, yeah. Um, I mean, I was 17, so it was sure. something from Chess King or, you know, right. like some kind of <laughs> <laughs> structure. Yes. Well done. Well done. Um, but you brought it. You brought it up a notch. You knew you knew that it was a showmanship. Well, you got to dress up. Here's the thing, though. Wearing a suit in a restaurant, walking up to a table. Good evening. Uh, uh, and it often, more often than you'd you know, think, people would turn and go, yes, we need more ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> We turn with Let the ketchup, and I am the magician. I actually probably should have had a load of ketchup somewhere where I could magically produce it from a handkerchief because it. Oh, you're that would be awesome. Uh, ah, well, I wasn't a missed that, opportunity. Uh, I wasn't that committed. So you started. I doing, should start carrying ketchup around now. Oh, just and just say, just is, in case. Is this the ketchup you were thinking about? <laughs> oh my God! You're a magician. I needed a condiment. It's a um a pro condiment. But doing that rotation, table to table, doing little seven minute sets. Uh, you know, and concluding as their food is arriving and then going off into the night and hitting another table. The 50 bucks did not, you know, necessarily pay my rent. But I booked in the Twin Cities, I, I would do a ton of private parties and not just kids' birthday parties and stuff, but mostly like company parties and uh, okay. adult parties. And, oh, right, uh, right. You know, so corporate stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that was. And those will pay real. They pay real. So it was totally worth my while. Right. To uh to and, and plus two hours of practicing up close magic. Every is, night. Is, is that what you used it as to some extent? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean you could you know you know how hard it is to rotate in a new piece now? Yeah. Oh like yeah. impossible. Because now it was a place where I could suck. Right. Because right. what what the you know, if I totally fuck up my uh right. my Card to pocket trick. Right in front of you know, a blooming onion. You right. go to the next table. Guess what? Yeah. They got their blooming onion. <laughs> and they don't need my, my business card. Nope. Nope. Yeah. You go to the chicken wing table. It was a bulletproof place. So oh, that's just, kind of awesome. It was great. So is there an open mic situation with magic? Is there a place to do open mic? 
Mm. Not really. Mm-mm. You'd probably have to go to a comedy or music open mic and then just go, guess what I'm working on? That's this, right. This is it. Yep. And uh, have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got you go to open mics. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, and then the castle is a fantastic place, too. Oh, yeah? Actually, because it is a clubhouse for magicians. and. Oh, so um, you can work on stuff there? Yeah. You know, uh, I didn't, this last week, I didn't actually really work on... Putting anything. I, well, I have a newborn. You're the, the f- featured uh, magician. I oh. am the featured. I, there was the onus to uh, to amaze. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to kind of carry the week. I had to carry the week. Can you please have a T-shirt that says "The onus to amaze"? <laughs> the onus to amaze. I got to write that down. Uh, yeah, that is I'll perfect. Write it down. That's my tagline. Uh, so uh, <laughs> the. Uh, um, but in the past, I've definitely been booked there for weeks uh, where I will, you know, do totally new. Material, right? Because you're doing three sets a night, seven nights in a row. Oh, so it's great. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, in one night you can get positive and feedback. And how long are the sets? Uh, fifteen to 20, like twenty minutes. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, good yeah. For but, LA, it's a great set. That's a great set, and uh, you could open with something and close with something, that's, and then have room in the middle to play that's and to right. work on the new thing. And it really is a clubhouse. Like some of my my best friends, yeah. uh, and amazing performers, Derek Delgadio. Uh, John Lovick, Rob Zabrecki, Helder Gamaris, these guys uh, are amazing. And they work the road, and people should go see them, I bet. Do they uh, work the road? Or? Let me tell you, Helder and Derek, um, mm, this is going to – they're doing <laughs> – I just realized this isn't going to air. In time? Yeah, they're doing something over the next two weeks okay. at the Magic Castle. But uh, they were both just named there's, – there's like sort of a – there's an awards – Sure. Among the uh, membership of the Magic Castle, the Academy of Magical Arts okay. is what it's called. And it was founded in 63 by the Larson Brothers, the Magic Castle. And uh, the Academy of Magical Arts is, uh, you know, a nonprofit uh, to better yeah. and further the art of magic. And they have awards, banquet, yeah. like the Academy Awards of Magic every year. And it just happened recently. And uh, a bunch of uh, people from sort of the our crew yeah. totally walked with the prizes. It was awesome. Oh. Rob... Uh, Zabrecki won um, Stage Magician of the Year, and Helder won Parlor Magician of the Year, and Derek Delgadio won Close-Up Magician of the Year. It was just okay. a sweep. It was that a is, sweep. That is, and these are all kind of younger, hipper guys. And it's kind yeah. of maybe not the youngest, hippest uh, demographic, the membership of the Magic Castle. No, but they recently imagine. moved voting to online, and I think that may have something to do uh, with it. <laughs> I can't get this to work. <laughs> How do I vote for that guy in Vegas I saw? How yeah. do I do that? Exactly. It's, uh, so you said you had a new piece. So what What kind of um, – so you, do, you brought some cards, and you brought um, – what – when you do a long set, yeah, you know, is it? Do you have? Is there a big? Is there a big piece that you that that you close on or that you center with, or is there? Is it? Is it a lot of up close? Like when you do up close magic and you have a big room, you can't do it. Right? No, you don't. No, my uh, I save up close magic, which is some of my very favorite type of magic, magic that happens up close, personal, you know, stemming from those roots in the the table-to-table restaurant Mm -hmm. um, arena. But uh, when I'm doing a stage show, like an hour show, it's it's stand-up magic. There's larger props. I don't ever do... I don't ever have a box where I wheel. Everything I do, I can carry on a plane, you know. Okay, Because I don't want... You know, unlike a comic, and I'm so jealous of every comic friend I have who can walk on a plane with a hoodie 
and a book bag, yep. and they have their show. That's it. You know, I literally need a bag of tricks. I have a bag of tricks. I'm a right. full-grown man, and, and I have a bag of tricks. And and now with luggage costing, oh, my God. Yeah, it's so a, I carry that on. But it's not even the cost. It's uh, if it's, they lose it. Right. Because you've got to check it, don't you? No. No, you don't check I it. I carry you it can't. on. I carry it on. I carry. I so carry it's my show fit with me. In the overhead. You know, my my act. Will I, fit a lot of guys. I I'm. I think I'm the envy among uh, many many working magicians because yes. they're like, that's your set. That can't. I'm like, yeah. Pack flat, play big. <laughs> that's my mantra. Um. So, but you know what does play big? You know what does work as far as doing close up magic on stage? Uh, is Audience participation. One thing I get to do is I get to call someone from the audience on stage. And now, even if you can't see what's happening with those cards, you see that person's face and their body oh, language and their okay. reaction. And that sells to the... That can sell bigger. That sells to the back of a Orpheum Theater. You okay. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So you have cards in your hand. How much... Do you have to practice still? I mean, you, all the time, and it's off stage, right? I mean, it's just yeah. off stage, constantly yeah. just making your hands sort of like memory. Yeah, I wanted to share this with you. This is a, this is my little close-up pad that I travel with from home, but it's just like this beat-up <laughs> piece of green felt. But this yeah. is, you know, this is oh, like once you geez, bring. I'm sorry, I think does it, it smell, smell as well? <laughs> oh, fair enough. But but the thing is, is once you bring it out, right? Then people know magic's going to happen. No, no, right? I never show this to anybody. This is. Oh, you don't bring is, the pad out? Oh, no, no. What's this the pad for? Practice. Oh, that's your practice pad? Yeah, yeah, it's a little practice. I just wanted to, like, because yeah, yeah. it is a constant. I would, I mean, can you imagine if this, it's so beat up, it's so ratty, if this was my show. Right, like, right. Get ready for the homeless magic act. <laughs> <laughs> well, because um, it's, well, yeah, it's, it's a green roll-up uh, piece of felt. Why, now, why do you need it? Well, uh, it's a perfect surface for... For smooth, to for smooth, and it's just uh, you know cards. Like here, look, I just cards. tried to pick cards above the table here, right? Yeah. What happened? Oh, the table I had you a, lost card, a, a card. You lost a card. Card got stuck to the table. But here with the pad, yeah, right. The cards are just you know. Okay. They're just it's easier to. And handle how many them. decks of cards do you go through? You go through uh, a lot of decks of cards. A lot. I buy oh, really? them in bulk. Oh, you buy them in bulk. I okay. do. Costco. Costco will sell you decks of cards. Oh, they got the best price. Yeah. You know, it's like it comes out to like a dollar twenty-five a deck. However, they're not the best decks. Those are, those, those are my performance decks. Okay. Here's something. Here's something. You're talking about. You know, you invite it. You invite your guests to get into the, sort of the minutia yes, of uh, of uh, their obsessions or their dorkiness. Here's what you know. Pokemon or Magic: The Gathering. Yes. I have a theory that the popularity of that uh, that sort of card trading phenomena yeah. is entering uh, the real world of magicians. Okay. For the last handful of years, the way uh, Jason Lee as a skateboarder had his own Airwalk shoe. Yeah. Magicians are now publishing their own decks. Uh, they're not trick decks. No? But they're custom decks. This is, I wanted to show this. So it's this. just ace through king or, or two through ace. Oh, regular, regular, regular deck. deck of cards. But the back design we'll and choosing the stock. These are these are different. Oh, have you tried? Oh. This is a David Blaine deck of cards. You can see the little logo is a D and a B. The spade on the back. See those little spades that make yeah. up the that yeah. they're actually that's a D and a B. It means you know it's oh. David Blaine. Um, and I can't see the B. It's a, the spade. It's a split spade. So if it's you see the spade. see the spade. Oh, I see. Divided. So it's a so, lowercase d. And a yeah, lowercase yeah, yeah. Exactly. B. Exactly. That he's got. Wow. Yes. I'm gonna need a, a, a magnifying glass to get that real. The real. That's awesome. No, you don't need it. But I'm that's just, pretty. 
But so he gets to pick the you pick the cardstock and you pick the the design and that's what these guys are doing. So this is a David Blaine. So they're deck not and then, turning it into um, like the, the face of the cards don't have don't have anything more to it. Well, it's usually the back of it. Actually, these do. If you notice the. Uh, <laughs> this is the face of uh, Doug McKenzie in the King of Clubs. That's no joke. That's the one David of, Blaine that's deck one, of cards. Is, it, is David McKenzie a, a, a magician? He's one of David's right hand men. He's a major consultant for his work. And uh, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, and, now uh, we're getting into it. That's a different guy. You know, uh, that's not your standard Jack. No, that it's is not. a different guy. I think it's Bill Kalush. No, here it is, King of Hearts. That I think is Bill. Um, oh. <laughs> Oh. And there's David, King of Spades. King of Spades. Can you see his David face? Blaine. I can't see his face. <laughs> I will be uh, posting uh, links to, to the David Blaine deck of cards. This may be a secret. Am I? Oh, I'm no, going to no. be outcast. I don't think you'll be outcast. Um, what else is happening? What is, what's so that? So these, these cards, so this guy here who was uh, on, I believe, the King of Hearts, this is Bill Kalush, and he's probably... You never, you you maybe never see Bill do any card magic. Okay. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't break them out, and he's maybe maybe the best card technician alive. Really? M- maybe he's, he's he's one of the greatest tech. Ooh, he's he's amazing. Have you and seen him do it? No. <laughs> but but it, it's all just a, it's just myth. Uh, no, and, it's not. I mean, I've I've seen him handling a deck of cards casually, like at dinner. Yes. And you, you can you tell. Can, you, you, you can, can br- tell. You can bring a deck of cards to dinner oh, in the magic world. Oh, we all have a deck of cards at dinner. <laughs> so here, feel the weight of these these okay. so these these David Blaine published cards, right? Okay, it's okay. just a regular deck of cards, and yeah. you can riffle them. You know, go give a little riffle so you feel sort of the the stiffness but of them. They, yeah, get, like, do that. Do that. Oh, okay. I, don't, do that. I didn't want to bend them. No, don't worry. I don't got worry. more. Oh, yeah. it turns out you yeah. have more. So you feel that? Okay, I so feel now, that. So now, Bill Kalouche found these cards on a trip to Italy. Oh, do you feel those? A lot thicker. Very stiff. You could, yeah, you can. Uh-huh. And yeah, spread yeah. them. It's a different, and they're heavier, right? Right, they're heavier. They're like dense. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he got turned on to these, and he offered them through, uh, you know, to friends to, to purchase. I, I, I got a dozen of them. Okay. And they're a dozen decks, and uh, they're just these and amazing. And who are these people, like, on the face cards? I have no idea. That's hilarious. That, <laughs> it's that, a, that, I mean, that's kind of a fun, new, tricksy thing that you can do now, where you're like, okay, I'm going to put my wife on the Queen of Hearts, and... And, uh, and, and she will like that's right. That's and right. And this is my nephew and the Jack of Hearts. That's right. Or whatever. It could be anything, I suppose, right? That's right. And all, it's all you need is a guy to design. Okay. And this is this is a phenomenon. I mean, these are not the. I mean, this, many decks are being put out. It's very funny. Are you are you thinking about doing one? No, I'm not. Because here's here's I have a. I feel very strongly. Okay, the cards that I just put into the Italian box yeah. um, fell through the bottom of the box right. onto your floor, which is fine because when I ordered the cards, Bill uh, Kalush had warned me that the boxes are really shitty. So okay. like, he even knew. So, like, the cards are great. These are amazing cards. you got to feel these cards, but the box is a piece of shit, and you might want to you know, get a uh, different case from So I'll pick those up later. That's hilarious, um, you guys. Because that's what you would do. Why wouldn't you sit around and discuss the different weights of different cards and how and they how handle? And how they feel, how they handle, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and Bill, I think, is a very big fan of stiff cards. These, This is a deck. So David put these out, and these are cards that Bill designed called the Professional Bicycles. And these are very thick. It's almost like a thick cardboard, you know? Like, that's thicker than the Italian cards that you okay. just handled, right? Yeah, yeah, let I mean, me just uh, quickly just... And then my phone rang, because why wouldn't it? Every 
every episode of The Dark Forest is fraught with peril. Do you feel that riffle them, though? I, yeah, do you oh feel my, that? Yeah. Very stiff. I can't even riffle them because they don't riffle. And so I but, practice with these cards. Because? It's like swinging with four bats. Oh, okay. So then when I get a regular bicycle deck of cards in my hands... It doesn't. Everything that I was busting my knuckles with this, quote, professional right. deck... Yeah, yeah. You know, then hurts. And I have a line. I have a line that I've been using a little. I pull out this deck uh, of cards, and I go to someone in the front row and go, Ma'am, please read the top word on this deck of cards. Professional. That's correct. <laughs> and you know what that is? Just, Fun for both of you. That's right. That's there's, right. there's no amb- ambiguity. We are in for a professional experience. Exactly. No amateur uh, card shuffling is going to happen. It's, now, what about coins? Do you, uh, do you use a regular quarter? Do you use a regular well, here's, okay, silver this, dollar? This ties, here's something that I think about a lot. You asked me uh, would I use, would I publish my own deck yeah. to use in my show, okay? Um, and uh, that's not a bad promo idea. I mean, Howard Thurston, one of the, probably the last greatest magician on earth, and I say the last greatest magician on earth. Um, Who billed himself as the greatest, he, that kind of thing? He was... Probably one of the final was. big touring shows that would tour the world. Okay, you know before you know before mass media, before Ruined. moving pictures. Right. You know this was the entertainment, and Thurston was coming to town, and you get these huge posters. Advance men would come and plaster the sides of walls with Thurston doing. A, what year is this? Nineteen twenty-six, the turn of the century. Um, right, right. And uh, you know these guys would come, and uh, Jim Steinmeier has written amazing books on the history of magic that don't expose so I can I can share this with confidence right. I'm not exposing any secrets by uh, by turning anybody on to uh, the writing of Jim, Jim Steinmeier Glorious Deception is the story of uh, uh, Ch- uh, Chung Ling Su um, okay who was uh, a uh, a very very famous magician in the British uh, vaudeville oh. okay yeah yeah in, okay. in their circuit yeah he, American Oh, he's an American, but yeah. he went over to. Uh, he went over and found his fame and fortune. Mm-hmm. He was he was he was a right hand man. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this I mean shady shady story uh, with uh, Chung Ling Su. He was an American magician. Couldn't find his voice. wasn't getting wasn't finding popularity. He was behind the scenes, brilliant uh, builder and thinker, coming up with illusions for two of the great magicians, both Thurston and. Uh, I believe Keller, okay. um, and he saw Ching Ling Fu, an actual Chinese magician who just tore it up on the American vaudeville scene. Right, a hugely popular act, and he stole his act, Jackie, oh. and went to went to and uh, went London in. and became a superstar. Right, and went so Chung Ling Su superstar. Ching Ling Fu comes to London. Yeah. Chung Ling Su accuses him of being an imposter oh. and runs him out of town. How shady. What a dirtbag. Oh, damn. Oh, or damn. genius. Well, he died on stage. He he uh he was he would do the bullet catch and uh he died. Not to give away the You should read the book. Glorious, read the book. Glorious Deception. Glorious Deception will be linked. He dies. He dies in the end. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh we found out a couple episodes ago and Frank dies at the end of her book. <laughs> uh Dwight Slay. Dwight Slay didn't remember. Oh, so boring. He was I never it. got through it, you yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, so it's like, oh, God, someone's blogging. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very much. Uh, did you ever hear Victor? Really? Really? So the cell phone rings, and then the uh, 
then the home phone goes. The political action committee. So uh, please talk to, amongst yourselves. Well, let me tell you, Steinmeier's books. If if you're interested in this, and I, and I I find them to be compelling page turners. Uh, Glorious Deception is about Chungling Su. Uh, he wrote Hiding the Elephant, which is not a euphemism for a sex act. Uh, <laughs> it, it is uh, the story of Harry Houdini, who was famous as an escape artist um, and perhaps the most famous magician ever. Sure. I mean, to this day. I've heard of him, which is something. You yeah, know. I mean, we added a word to the dictionary, to Houdini something. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, um, yeah. You're pretty popular. Uh, but he, not necessarily the best magician. Great escape artist, amazing promoter right. of himself uh, and his work. Right. And but, very bendy. Uh, very bendy. <laughs> I think that that was one of his secrets, is that he was super bendy. True. Pre-yoga. So <laughs> Pre no one knew it was possible. Right, right. Nobody knew that you could. Uh, but he, uh, in, a, in a kind of a, a revital, like he, in reinventing himself, did a big stage show at the Hippodrome. And in the, in the oh. Hippodrome, he vanished an elephant. And the method of it was never recorded. It kind of vanished. You know, I mean, it, it didn't vanish, but we sort of lost his... Like no, nobody has notes. The documentation, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Steinmeier, who's an amazing illusion builder and has come up with, I mean, tons of stuff for Copperfield. And any any working magician has probably gotten something from Steinmeier. I mean, I have a card routine in my show that is something that he okay invented. Are you kidding me with this phone business? I'm calling um, you so, on my phone. So does the? I, I, it's interesting to me that you guys all share like tricks. We do and we don't. Right. You know, but there is. Yeah, now I, I start to clam up talking okay. about the, the sharing of the tricks. Uh, sharing of the stories is much well, more comfortable. Right, um, but the thing is, 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 is it's you mentor, have a It's a big mentor-based. It's a mentor-based oh, craft it's mentor -based. still to this day, I would say. People Apprenticeships find, and mentoring. And to a certain extent, like you, I think you find heroes that you really admire, and then you seek out their counsel. Either it's through their writings or, uh, you know, we're lucky that a lot of magicians will tour and lecture. Um, and in the in the day of the download, you know, you can find right. some great information that is. Oh, just sort of YouTube videos of them speaking not, and not YouTube videos, but like pay you pay for a download of oh, a specific okay. piece of knowledge. Got it. And then you oh, can so learn people it. People sell their tricks to other people. To people some do extent. that. People do that. Okay, and and then there's mentoring where you're like. I'm going to retire so you can have this. No. I don't know if that so much happens anymore the way it did. Thurston was, you know, there was a sort of a long line of the greatest magician in the world. And they would pass the mantle. And that was a big PR thing, you know. Like oh, okay. The, okay, I, this Herman was the most popular magician in the United States. And he's retiring, so he's he's putting the cape on Keller and now Keller's oh. going to retire so Keller's putting the cape on Thurston but Thurston bought the act and then had to pay Keller a mm -hmm. percentage of the box oh. in perpetuity oh it's it's like a financial advisors when you buy people's um yeah it's it's not yeah. at all like that but it's like that where um, you buy their portfolio essentially sure and then or you give you them a percentage and pay them off over 5 years or whatever and then you can do that yeah yeah that's how that's how people uh, get new clients sometimes Oh, because I, I, I don't know anything about investing, and I right. Maybe I should buy someone's portfolio. <laughs> that sounds like a much better way. Right. Maybe I'll just buy the Manila folder that the portfolio's in. Do they come or, in Manila folders? The portfolios. No, no. What you could do is you could just use my sister as a as a socially responsible financial advisor. 
And uh, is she a financial advisor? She is. Is she uh, certified by the Board of Financial Advisors? She is. She's um. Is she a flat rate financial advisor? <laughs> I am uh, uncertain about her rate. Uh, she works at RBC Dane Rauscher. I'll tell you, the Susie Orman, right? She really recommends the flat rate people. Uh, my parents have been working with a guy uh, who takes a percentage of their, what, net worth annually or something like that or whatever. He takes. Yeah, that a, sounds like a terrible idea. I don't think that's a good idea. Now, you'd think, no. oh, he'll work harder because he can get more, but uh, I think flat rate is... Uh, yeah, I got a friend who's got a manager like that. She's like, I yeah, I get I get a taste of everything that you get. Even if you get it, then I will work harder, and then I will help. Isn't you that get how all things. managers work? Uh, not mine. Oh, My, mine gets a percentage of what she gets me. I like that kind of manager. You know why? Uh, that means that she believes in herself, and she believes uh, that uh, she doesn't deserve any of the money that I booked myself. Mm, that's kind of flawless logic. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know what works out is uh, when she doesn't get me anything. Uh, I don't, I don't get that resentful about it. I'm just like, oh well. Sure. I suppose I guess I should work a little harder. Sure. And uh, <laughs> sure, I like that. Yeah. So. So talk to me about, about car. So you were telling me about car. Oh, I was going to say, right. So I, I don't know if I would put this right here uh, is is right from the Costco box, okay? So $1.25 a box, it averages once you buy them. Uh, they're not stiff. They're very pliable, often misprinted, slightly off-center. Uh, they're kind of oh, okay. cheap. These are the cards that I use in, in a performance regular situation. performance, absolutely. Okay. Because... Yeah, Why? If I come out with a deck with this beautiful deck of Italian cards, or if I come out with with my branded Derek Hughes cards, and I'm doing miracles with them, well, he had special cards. Ah. So something that's really important to me in the magic that I try to develop and perform is almost mundane props, almost every, you know, rubber bands. I have, I right. do a routine with paper lunch bags in my show rather than mylar bags. And, you oh, know, right, right. I want, I want it to seem like nothing. Like found objects. Yes. Yeah. Nothing special because then, it's then, the, then the magic is the special the thing. The thing is the prop. Yeah. The thing is just a yeah. thing. So I want, so That's you asked with coins and I have, I brought a beautiful set. I brought a beautiful set. Uh, you know, of vintage, you know, look at these. These are gorgeous, right? Uh, 1881, beautiful, solid silver dollar. Uh, are they real? These are real. Why? Yeah. They're what? gorgeous. Oh, they wow. are gorgeous. Where did you... They're, they're silver dollars. Yes. Solid silver, beautiful. But from 1881. Um, but are they U.S. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are Morgan... What the hell? Morgan dollars. Um... When did you get these? And, and, I have and a bunch, and I've, I, you know, I bought. They're for practicing and and. No, and they're for performing. Like, you know, here's three coins. I'll use it do a trick with one, two, three coins in my left hand. Right. Watch, they're gonna jump through the air. That was the first Whoa. one. One jump from my <laughs> left hand to my right hand. Jackie didn't see it. I'll do it again. That's one in my right hand, two right. in my left hand. You gotta watch quick though. It happens fast. I'm Whoa. gonna slow it down. Slow motion. One coin jumps through. Did you see it that time? Yeah. I'll do it again fast. Now you know what to look for. Okay. Okay. I. <laughs> Love. Three coins. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. So, but okay. So here's See, this great trick with coins. Mm -hmm. But I don't really perform coin magic these days because these are again. What is that? That's right. a silver. 
That's a silver dollar. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time anybody pulled a silver dollar out of their pocket? Right. You know, um, even I, a Kennedy half dollar would be a, a rare no, bird. No, this the dime. You know, I'm working on some routines with pennies and dimes. Oh, really? Right now, because these are things that someone could pull out of their pocket at a bar. And then, oh, right, uh, and then and then you haven't brought it to the table. Essentially, right. you're just like we no, recognize this is, it. It's this mundane. Is change. You have this. It's I the have the exact that. same theory behind like uh, having some weird special looking deck of cards. How, so you buy ten packs of the fancy cards. Yeah. So if the Costco cards are a buck and a quarter a piece, because when I buy cards, yeah, uh, I go to the dollar store. Right. I buy a deck of cards at the dollar store, right. and they might have Hot Wheels on them. They might have whatever. Sure. I mean, they're just overrun. Yeah. Cards. How much is a nice uh, a nice deck of cards? It could be like five bucks or. Oh, between uh, maybe seven and twelve bucks a deck. Okay. Something like that. Okay, but but they're neat. They're you know they're 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 practice decks for super. And then when you get to the to the flimsy, and then here's my other card question. Yeah. Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Do you play cards? I love poker. Oh, do you? I will sit at a poker table at a casino for hours. And play Texas Hold'em. Okay. I love it. And do you, like, when you go and watch the dealers, Mm -hmm. are you watching how they're handling the cards? No. I mean, it's so standardized. And the pit boss, I mean, they're not cheating. It's not like a home game. It's not like a home game where, you know... You know, you can have someone who's like, you know, potentially dealing stuff off the bottom of right. the deck, and you know, uh, right, using right. card you know, technique. I, I didn't think that. I just thought it's just like if there's if there's tricky, if there's uh, when you're sitting at the poker table. Yeah. You, all you, the, what you're watching for, uh, the dealer for is speed this up. Let's right, get to the next hand. Right. We're trying to win some money yeah, here. Yeah, chop, I see chop. you're smearing them around. Get them yeah. in the little uh, machine, the little elevator that sucks those cards back at the table. Hit the button, get the blue deck, and let's get another hand going because, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm feeling so, hot. So I'm feeling that. Yeah. <laughs> this is where the big money is going to come that's in. That's right. Fair enough. I, I will occasionally play uh, some, some blackjack. That's, oh, yeah? Uh, that's the game. That, that's the only real card game I play. I'll tell you, you'd think uh, someone who's spent 30 years holding a deck of cards in their hand, mm-hmm. they'd know, they'd love card games or they'd know a ton about cards. And I've yeah. only got turned on to Texas Hold'em a handful of years ago. My buddy, uh, we would do a, a home game. Oh, right. And it was a weekly thing and it was just social and fun. Mm-hmm. And there was a thrill, you know, it was a thrill. Like you know, a $20 buy-in. Buy-in or something. and it was yeah. a tournament. So, you know, you could w- walk with some money, but yeah. if you lost, you lost 20 bucks. Yeah, and that was Maybe it. 40 because you could do a, you know, you, you could, could buy in again. But, yeah. But then, but then you just spent a night with your friends and you had a couple awesome. of beers and it was fun. Yeah. But for years I never played cards because I spent all my time do- with cards. <laughs> What am I going to, oh, I got some time off uh, for recreation. What am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to watch someone else bend them and what handle them. What do you do for, for recreation? I mean, I know you got a baby. That's you, that's you, what I've been doing. Right. You, you've you been, know. Obviously, can, can, you've been finding dimes up his nose. Anything, oh, God. Anything pray not. Pray not, man. Pray Knock not. on wood. Knock on wood. Nothing up his Just nose. No choking hazards yet. Right, right. I bet. I bet because he's little. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm I'm a huge hit with toddlers myself. Are you? I do that up high, down low, cut the pickle, get a tickle. I don't know if you've. That's a good one. It's that sounds classic. good. It sounds good, good. Toddlers, when your kids uh, 11 months, I'm still early days. Still early days. They don't get my material. I'm a little smart for the room. Uh, he Around two he and would. A half. He would. He would he, get I'm it. I'm not saying he's not a genius. He's really smart. <laughs> he's a really smart kid. He's a super smart. He's high fiving. Is he high fiving at this he's, time? Oh, he, he well, knows sign language. Man, Dude, yeah, high yeah. five, down low, down low. Cut the pickle, get a tickle. 
That might be advanced for him. Right, right. I think I'm that might you, be advanced. A year from now, that's it's gonna kill. Okay. It's gonna it's gonna make the room move. Sweet. And uh, so he, what 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 he can? Oh yeah, he can he can ask for more milk. That's right. Is that right? Bam! Tell me, he pooped. Oh, guess what? If he can tell you he pooped, he might have known twenty minutes ago that he pooped and that he had to poop. I think he probably does. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, you should you should learn in sign language, then go to the bathroom. You know what? Not impressed by magic. Oh, the, the baby. Right, the baby. Not as much. And Do you know why? Because he probably thinks it's real. Everything's everything magic. is real. Yeah. Everything is magic. It's uh, Andy did this uh, game for the iPad called AppMates, and it was a Cars two. And the app is free. It's a Cars 2 app mates for the iPad. And then you go to Target or Toys R Us and you buy a little car. And the car has three little sensors on it. And you drive the car on the iPad. And you can drive around Radiator Springs and you're given stuff to do. And um, everybody's like, what? It works with the iPad? You drive it on the screen? What the hell? And it's amazing. The technology is amazing. I'm amazed. You know who isn't amazed? A four-year-old whose all of their cars are alive. All of their cars are constantly talking to them. Absolutely <laughs> true. That's fantastic. Right. So magic is not going to impress. I have seen actually uh, one of Andy's young cousins. We went to his uh, five-year birthday party, and they had a magician. And there was a kid sitting in the front row, thumbs down the entire time. No way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And the guy was good. That's hilarious. I think five is about the age when you can start to maybe appreciate when that when the, whatever part of the brain that needs to be developed in order to understand or you know to be deceived. Separate, yeah, yeah, to yeah, separate yeah. the yeah. Um, I was doing. Uh, I don't do a lot of kids' birthday parties, but I had an experience years ago doing a kids. <laughs> I think the kid was maybe about five, five to seven, something like that, in that range. Right. Young kids, and uh, I was doing my kids show magic. And, you know, there's a whole genre of sort of, of kid show magic, which... Re- revolves more around what? Patronizing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Just not respecting the intelligence of your audience. Uh, so, pandering? Doing some pandering? Yeah. So I'm doing this shit, and they're, eh, they're kind of... I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do one of my knuckle buster card tricks just for me. Right. You right, know? right. Bring and it. I, I do this routine... And I shit you not, this five-year-old kid turns to the kid next to him and says, now that's good magic. (laughs) (laughs) And at that point I realized, and uh, I had a friend, sometimes the Magic Castle does family shows, Saturday and Sunday, daytime. They do brunch shows for families, all ages. Otherwise, it's 21 up. Kids can't get in. Okay. But on weekend days, it's open to kids, and they do kids shows. All right. And now when I do performances for children, I I do the same set I do for adults. And uh, a, f- a friend and totally observed that she's like she after a show she's like so you do the same show you do for adults as kids and it all harked back to that birthday party where I realized yeah because they got it they see it they know what's happening they right. don't need yeah don't dumb it down for yeah. them. they don't need it you know I did a, a show and I probably told the story before on the on the on the door course but uh, I did a show for the Coast Guard it was a fa- all all ages family show uh, in Puerto Rico you have a pretty clean act. Yeah, I'm pretty clean. Um, I do some uh, cursing, not content. That's the problem. And my right. last, uh, my last album, the George W. Bush uh, track. Don't. Uh, it's filthy. Anyway, so but other than that, yes, I'm pretty. Do you I'm have explicit clean. lyrics on the cover? It says like for cussing, a, not content. Okay. It says explicit, and then because I I swear. You're like a rap artist. That's me. That's me. I'm, I speak to the people. But anyway, so there's a bunch of nine year olds. And nine is just when sarcasm, like kids love sarcasm, eight, nine, ten. 
up till about 15 and then they become sullen. And uh, I have a lot of nieces and nephews, but uh, but nine years old. So the other comics go up and I was closing because uh, and I will say this, Vargas Mason, if you are listening, is because you didn't want to because you knew that the next night was going to be adults and it would be more, more fun to close. So uh, God love them. Thanks for bringing me, by the way. Thanks for the money. OK, so in other news, um, so everybody goes up and a couple like it was. Uh, are they doing well? No, nobody's doing well. Everybody's every, everybody's well troubled, up and down, up and down, and uh, and the and the kids are like not not involved. They're heckling, they're booing, they got the thumbs down, and I get up and I'm doing pretty well because my stuff is 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 I'm I'm laying on the sarcasm pretty thick, so the kids are on board and the and the jokes are pretty smart, so the the adults are on board, but there's a lull. There's gonna be a lull uh, when it's awkward, and uh, and it's always awkward when there's kids in the room with stand up, and and the couple people before me were a little dirty, but um, the so now they're afraid. So now they're should af- we stay? Should we keep our children's ears open? Right. What right. offensive thing might this new face say? Yeah, the adults are like, uh, oh, what's gonna happen? Uh, but it was fine. It was going great, and then there was a bit of a lull where I was doing something that was either over the kids' heads and not in. Nobody was into it, and one of the kids uh, shouts out, "I'd watch anything that you're not in," and. <laughs> and I said, why don't you climb underneath that table right there? There's a table with a tablecloth, and he goes under there. And, like, two of his little buddies go under there with him. And I was like, yeah, there's nothing gay about that. Because I'm a mature adult <laughs> performing for the troops. <laughs> How'd but that they, go over? All the kids thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Because you know what else is really funny when you're done? Gay. That's right. Gay's hilarious. It's the best. It's pretty great. So, so now you're working on dime stuff. You're working on nickels. Um, what... What would you like if people want to get into it? If people want to start doing it, what, what would you recommend? Well, I got I brought a book I wanted to show you. Oh, please! Um, which is a book that I found in my junior high school library. Okay. When I was uh, when you were a kid, about twelve, called Now You See It, Now You Don't, and it's uh, by a guy named Bill Tarr. T A R R. And it's lessons. lessons in sleight of hand. The classic magic book, more than 25 years in print. And it is true. And why is it so great? Because here is probably the Bible of card technique, expert at the card table. I want to show you what that's filled with. That's filled with a lot of words. You see those words there? <laughs> Every page is words. And, right. Uh, so here's a uppercut about half the deck with the right hand. Place two packets end-to-end on the table in the usual position for riffling. Seize both packets at sides close to the joining ends between the third finger and the thumb of each hand and rest the hands on the outer ends of packets. Raise the thumb corners and at the same amount, injog the top card of the left hand, blah, 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 blah. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. Bill Tarr's book right, which teaches is you... Oh, with pictures. pictures, beautiful. It, this this Very, right here is yeah. what that. Oh no, yeah, this right here is what that was j- just explaining. Oh, really? I'm not kidding. I, I am kidding. But, okay. but, but but it was essentially that's that's the first step to learning that second thing. Sure, I want you here. You, this is a step by step illustration of the Charlier uh, one handed cut. Charlier pass. Does it best say that? Known oh. of the one handed cuts. So here, once used to bring. Oh. Once used to bring selected card to top of deck, but more than that, it's used as a fun flourish. 
It's a oh. fancy one-handed. Look how look how adept I look as I'm cutting a yeah, deck of yeah. cards in one hand. And and look at the step-by-step instructions of showing you without words, without words how to do that. How to cut the deck with one hand. And it is this book is awesome, man. And uh, then and it's as you see it and then as seen from the side. So they show it from both both angles. In these illustrations. With these yeah. illustrations. That's amazing. And the book it's got great routines and there's coin magic and card magic and if you're looking to to learn and 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 it's there's some great effects in this book. Yeah. Like you pick up this book and and uh, in not too long of time, you, you should can be able to do some pull something out hand. of your pocket and, you know, right. get someone's phone number at the bar. Right. You like apples? What do you think of these apples? Boom. And <laughs> yeah, that's so, I mean, it's, I, I'd like to, so once you get into magic, you do it for you, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, this is going to be fun. I'm going to practice this. I'm going to, I'm going to wow my friends and family with this magic. Mm-hmm. You have, is there? There's a there's a question which yeah. is at what point do you start looking at all other magicians and getting super dipped into it? Right, there was a there was a tipping point for me, and it had, to, you know, it's funny. It harks back to two effects in first grade. These fifth graders came in with a magic kit. And they did a trick where they take a blank piece of paper and run it through what looks like two little rollers, right. a little printer press, and it comes out the other side and it's a five dollar bill. Ooh. First, I was first grade. That was that was it for me, man. Like, well, not just mind blowing. That's money. What what do kids not <laughs> right. have? Right, they don't have any access money. to mm. goods, <laughs> services, yes, <laughs> green <it's> card, <laughs> <laughs> ability to work. Um, damn those laws. So uh, I really thought, wow. I mean, literally, my mind in first grade was like, they made money. Right. There was no trick there. Right. They made money, and right. I, I want to make money. Right. With that, whatever that thing they had, thing. I better get that thing. It's only five bucks. I mean, you you get your money back doing it twice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was no thought in my mind that you'd have to load your own $5 bill into no. the thing. And spoiler alert, it turns out they're not actually making money. In that version. In that version. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, cut to I got a magic kit. My buddy Don Belka has this magic kit sitting in his closet. 100 greatest tricks of the 20th century. Right. I got this chemistry set I got as a birthday gift. I hate it. I mean, I just, right, it's boring. Right. I, wah, 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 wah. Urdu. I don't even know what they're talking about, and it's not <laughs> interesting. He is interested in this chemistry set. In his game closet, there is a magic kit. We swap. Okay. Okay. Ironically, he became a drug dealer. Uh, oh, hello. <laughs> hey, Science <Don>. comes together. <laughs> um, but this kit had a trick in it where you'd take someone's hand, you'd put a penny in the palm of their hand, right. cover it with a matchbook, snap your fingers. When you lift it up, sitting where the penny was is a dime. <gasps> oh, again, this transformation of cash, right? So right, you're right. Always fiscally minded. Uh, always. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're always thinking of the future. But I literally, playing with that trick in the backseat of my folks' car when I was 10 years old, I remember the sun was setting and, and we're going into a, the wedding reception of a cousin, you know, right. over at Jim Jackson's house. Yeah. My, you know, my uncle. I don't know. Great uncle. But you, he's don't, good. you don't know him. He's a good he's guy. Great. Though. <laughs> um, and it, I, I like kind of have an epiphany, Jackie. Like, yeah. I'm going to be a magician. All right. Like, for real. Like, I really was like, you know what I'm going to do when I grow up? I'm going to be a magician. And uh, I think a constellation of events kept my focus on it. You know, I think a lot of kids, especially young guys, get a magic kit. They learn a few things. They try it. It's fun. And then they move on. They get into sports or whatever. Right. That year I had to have uh, open heart surgery 
I had a birth defect. So okay. I was 10 years old. I was out of school, laid out, and I had this kit. So I kept kind of, and then shortly after and that. And you're laying on your back, so you can do up-close magic over and over and over again. Yeah, you and you got the working on, surface. Right, the belly. <laughs> yeah. You're just on the belly doing sleight of hand for right. hours on end because there's nothing else to do because you're trapped in that bed. Right. And uh, Wow, so, that's, that's, that's like a, a, a perfect storm of... Of of stuff. It was. Because yeah. then shortly after that, we moved to a rural area in Minnesota, Stillwater. I don't know if you know Stillwater. I do. That's where the prison is. That's right. And uh, antiquing. <laughs> Lots of antiquing. <laughs> and uh, and I and I when I worked at my day job in Minneapolis was at this Northern Sun Merchandising Hippie T-shirt poster yeah. place. And um, there was an article in the paper once about Northern Sun Merchandising. And before I started working there, it, it came out. And also on that same page, there was an article about a guy who started a bonsai program in the Stillwater prison where uh, prisoners were given a bonsai tree. And much like the prison system, you could trim and bend this tiny tree to your will. And uh, he started a bonsai like movement in this. And so he... Our 800 number was in the article next to his article, and so he started calling up Northern Sun and saying that he was a political prisoner, and uh, he actually killed a pizza delivery guy, so um, not a political prisoner. Not so political. But we talked to him for years. Like, he would just call, because it was an 800 number, and he'd be like, are you busy? You gotta, I'm bored. I, I, I got the phone for 15 minutes. And so he talked to everybody, and I went and visited him once, because everybody Out there else, in Stillwater? At Stillwater, yeah. Oh, jeez. And he gave me a bonsai tree that took me less than a week to kill. Ah, So sad. Too bad. Hmm. Anyway, Bill. Too much pruning. His name, Bill Dye. In other news, uh, so you're, you moved to Stillwater, which is a small town, but did you live outside of Stillwater? Yeah, we were out on acreage. Okay. You know, and, and you know what? You bring up the antiquing, uh, what kept my focus on magic. You know, it's more, nothing more fascinating to a 13-year-old than antiquing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, wow, I, had look a, at this. I had a shelf. I, I would buy my props from Eagle Magic Store in downtown Minneapolis, which was Larry Kalo was the proprietor. He since has moved to Burnsville, but the, the, he's they're still, still in Eagle. business. Okay. Absolutely. I'll link it. Um, he actually just recently helped me hunt down. I had lost the, the, the 100 Greatest Magic Tricks of the 20th Century. Book. Kit. Kit. My oh, kit. the kit the, itself. The, yeah, I'd lost it. Lost track of it in the in life. Right. Um, and he helped me hunt it down. It I, or a version of it. A, a version of it. Good. Not mine. Right. That seems like magical that would be a miracle. Itself. That would be more. But I'll tell you, getting that like him finding it and getting it in the mail and then and opening it. After years of, it was such a time capsule. It was such a unfucking believable transportation to that ten-year-old mind. Right. You know. Yeah. Because uh, every box and every envelope under the lid of that box held a possible mystery. Right. And a memory of what you did when you first discovered each of it. Yeah. That's amazing. That's pretty rad. That's rad. So. The turning point, that, that, that sort of epiphany, I then uh, talked my mom into letting me use some of my college inheritance to go to magic camp. Magic out camp? Out in New York. Oh, uh, okay. Tannen's Magic Camp. A week? It's a whole week. Of, of Once just... a year uh, in July, and it's all magic. There's, there's no other camp activities. There's no, there's no horse riding. There's no swimming. Mm-mm. No, you're no. going to do some magic, it's and then magic. later you're going to do some magic. No camping. And then you're going to go eat, and then you're going to do some magic. That's right. 
That's awesome. It is awesome. It's a. It's, it's a, like Max FunCon, which is comedy camp. Is there a comedy camp? It's sort of like comedy camp where you get to do a lot of comedy. Like and, uh, stand up. Yeah. And how old are these campers? Uh, they're they're essentially they're just uh, people who listen to Jesse Thorne's uh, podcast and Max Fun. It's called Max Fun Camp, and it's next. It's, are they kids? No. Oh <laughs> no! It costs like eight hundred bucks. Okay, because this these are these this, this is, is for children. This costs about twelve hundred. Right. But it's but a it's, week of housing. Right. It's, you know. Yeah, it's like adults have rock and roll fantasy camp. This is Max Funcon is sort of a, a stand up fantasy camp. Wow. Yeah. And they like married. I goes picture they they have like multiple brick walls set up, you <laughs> know, for should. practice sessions. They should. And, John uh, Hodgman goes every year. It's uh it's very I mean, it's kind of fancy. Wow. Yeah. And then you hang out and you talk about stand up and then you do stand up and then you talk about it and then you talk about it and then you talk about it and then you, about it, then you do some more stand up. I mean it isn't as it isn't as close to that as as Magic Camp, but I want there to be a stand up camp. Anyway, well, it's tough because they they're, they're very similar, right? Right. The idea, but they both rely on surprise. Okay, the joke you set up a joke, an expectation, and then there's a reverse or a, a revelation or a, a twist. moment, a twist, an epiphany, and that and that gets a reaction of laughter. Right. And in magic, very similar structure. True. And that you're setting up information, and then you are whoop, yeah. pulling the the rug out, you know, and right. it's this moment of <gasps> astonishment, which also often, it, often magic gets laughter. Right, yeah. right. It's, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, you that know. kind of thing. Yeah. So you, how many years did you go to that magic camp? Just once? I only went once. Because it was $1,200. It was $1,200, right. and, uh, you know, I only had so much in the kitty for college. Right. Um, but that blew my mind, because before going to Tannen's magic camp, mm-hmm. I thought you bought your magic at the magic shop, mm-hmm. and then you did that trick with that box using the words that came on the instructions. Okay. Right, right. And I had four shelves in Stillwater, you know, with all my props that I'd saved up for and all my money went into right. magic props. Right, and I right. had them displayed. It was like a mini section of the wall from the magic store yeah. was in my room. <laughs> and nice. it was I would dust it and the the crappy those damn rings were hanging there with right. silk scarves and the you know yeah. the zigzag soda can box cuz I I couldn't afford the big illusion but I could right. take a soda can and put blades through it and pull the middle out for a oh, second. Right, right. Yeah. Shitty trick. Uh, At Tannins I saw people like Richard Sanders, Jay Sankey, Johnny Ace Palmer, these guys, Devlin, Joe Devlin is this manipulation act. A uh, guy does birds and, you know, on stage. Right. And I saw I saw Sleight of Hand really done by experts. And I was like, I, for the first time I saw what, what magic really could be yeah. above and beyond yeah. a prop that had a secret. Right. You know, and uh, so even though I went that one year... It was like the big reveal. It was the big reveal. It was amazing. And uh, just opened the world. Yeah, it was great. Huh. That's awesome. Did you go to college? I did. Where'd you go? University of Minnesota. Okay. All right. Stayed home. You know, uh, lived at my folks' place. Sure. Golden Gophers. Mm -hmm. Um, Theater major. So didn't really attend a lot of Gophers events. Right. Sure. Um, I studied poli sci, but I attended all of the the University of Wisconsin events selling t-shirts. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. You know, in hindsight, I feel like kind of a douchebag. For poo-pooing sports yeah. and sports fandom, I was such a f- fucking theater fag, you know, like <laughs> with my scarf and my, 
In Camus. Your hat. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a hat? Oh, I had a hat. Why I'm not? wearing one now. You're wearing one now. You're pro um, hat. But because uh, now, as I'm as I'm doing the college tour and going out and performing at colleges, that shit's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun to be part of a community and support your team and yeah. you know. So they're maybe not the most intelligent people on the field. <laughs> do we? Do I have to judge them? Can I not appreciate them annihilating one another? But they're they're. It, it's like ballet. It's like watching and good athletes. A, that's yeah. right. Now it's I'm amazing a, athleticism. It's amazing. It's amazing I, to see I people just, that uh, committed. I love sports theory. I apply it to my own work now. You know, like just how so rehearsal. Oh, you know, practice. the way they rehearse. Yeah. yeah, I did a commercial with Peyton Manning a couple of years ago and to hear him talk about, you know, I would grill him, you know, about how do you use so your quarterback? How do you do that? You a know, commercial for what? Uh, I've done two commercials with Peyton Manning. One was for uh, DirecTV where him and Cordell Stewart were. They appeared on my shoulder like two little angels. Oh, my God. And I'm offering the DirecTV guy a soda. Mm-hmm. And uh He's like, sure, I'll take one. And then, poof, the football players appear on my shoulder like good good angel, bad angel. Yeah. You know? and it's like one's like, throw it. No, run it. Throw it. Run it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Rrr, rrr, rrr. Right, right. The director on that commercial? Yeah. After we were, well, while we were shooting, um, he goes, uh, hey, Derek, you know why, uh, why I hired you? And I go, well, my superlative <laughs> acting skill? And he goes, no, your face. It, uh, it wiggles a lot when you shake your head back and forth. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> wow. Try not to flatter me too much yeah. so that uh, I don't get too big of a head. Um, Peyton, but Peyton Manning, is he the New York Giants guy? He was Colts. He brought the Colts to uh Is there a different Manning? That yeah, his brother. The, okay, because mm-hmm. that was Aaron. You know Aaron Foley, stand-up comic? Aaron mm. K. Foley? Mm. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah. A great comic. But her dorkdom, just a couple episodes ago, uh, is the New York Giants. And her dream sequence, she had a – she called it her dream sequence. It's like her dream dorkdom. Like, if she could do anything, have anything, she would be in the New York Giants outfit, sitting on the sidelines, helmet and everything, eating a buttered roll. Because she loves a buttered roll. What? Yeah. And then one of the Manning brothers calls her in at the last four seconds of the game, and she catches the winning because she's a wide receiver. She catches the winning. Uh, she does? Even with buttery hands? With buttery hands. What? That's, what? that's what Baron Vaughn said last night when I was telling him this story because it's an awesome story. And I was trying to think, what's my dream sequence, right? Like, do you have a dream sequence? Like, you're just like one thing after another. You're with the you're with the team you want to be with. You're with the, and then at the end of it, uh, Halle Berry comes walking down. Uh, she's a gay lady, as she calls herself. Uh, Halle Berry walks down a tunnel with a big bottle of champagne. Champagne and life is uh, complete. Uh, her butter roll to a bottle of champagne, that's the dream sequence. You got anything? Wow. Wow. Um, man. Because we're at an hour, my friend. Oh, so, beautiful. Well, the dream the dream sequence would be... Uh, Dead or alive? A magician you'd you know, like I'm, to meet? I'm such a... This, this is so stupid, but... Uh, you know, I'm, is it dorky by any chance? Because I see no. My my my, fa- my new fatherdom is all like uh, anything. Anything you ask me to visualize now, my brain immediately goes to Edward. You know, and I'm thinking my dream sequence is that my my son is healthy and he and he's wearing his he's he's, he's got a family of his own and he's happy. Dorky dad. <laughs> dorky dad. But uh, you know, uh, instead of you know, but the real you know, sure. Uh, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm sitting in the in the audience of the uh, of the Rio and uh, 
Pangelette dies. <laughs> and you're called in. And I have to work with Teller uh, for and the next ten years of my life. Wow, the next ten years. That's pretty yeah. sweet. He was playing the uh, the bass before the before the show began. He was yeah. Uh, uh, we was part of the band, was, Bongos, Bass, and Bob. Right. He was. Uh, he, all of a sudden, you're like, is that Pen over there working the bass? And it was. <laughs> Did you ever have you ever gotten to meet those guys? Yes, um, I went to see their show not too long ago, um, and uh, I was with a crew of, you know, great magic people. Matt King, who uh, is the number one headline daytime show at Harrah's in Vegas for twelve years now, I think. Amazing comedy magician, Matt King. This guy does two shows a day. Um, Every day, basically, for years. Wow. And you see it, and it's fresh, and his magic is super strong, and he's family-friendly. Uh, I can't recommend it enough, okay. the Matt King show over right, there right. at Harris. So we're with, we're with Mac and uh, Mike Caveney, who's a publisher and an amazing comedy magician who lives out in Pasadena, has an amazing okay. uh, personal museum of ancient magic artifacts. He's an amazing collector of posters and props. So... I'm among these great guys, so right. we all got to go backstage and hang out in the dressing room. Uh, they always eat dinner after the show. Okay. And so they're sitting at opposite ends of this dressing room, and they're both chowing, and we're all sitting around. I'm on the floor, and there's right, right. all this great conversation and banter, and it was pretty thrilling. Cause, uh, because in Minneapolis, when they were doing the refrigerator tour, and I think I was about mm, 17, 18, mm -hmm. after the show, I went up to tell her, because they were in the lobby greeting, and I'm like, hi, and we can end on this, because uh, this yeah. is probably a high point for me. Yeah. Um, I say, uh, hi, uh, I really enjoyed your show. My name's Derek. I'm a local magician. Uh, I would love to take you guys uh, out to out to lunch or dinner, you know? And yeah. Teller says, uh, you know, and these guys are my heroes, yeah. you know? So he says, uh, um, y you will want to take us out to eat. Mm -hmm. And I say, yeah. He says, No. <laughs> And I go, that's cool. Great that's show. Cool. Great show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just you, I mean, you had to ask. And, was, and that was my heart beating in my chest. You yeah, know? yeah. Just you're like, oh, man, I got to ask. I got to ask. But no. No. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I work 360 days a week, a year. I took it not personally at all. That's excellent. Yeah. Derek Hughes. Hey, Jackie. Well done, man. Thanks so much. Uh, people, go to DerekHughes.net and see some great, very funny, very smart, very wonderful magic from DerekHughes.net. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?